All right. Last Wednesday night we began our study on the uh, uh, on authority. Where do we go for biblical authority? And I think that's important to study that when we're thinking about uh, not just denominational doctrines, but the New Testament doctrine. Right? We need to be able to understand exactly where we get the uh, uh, authority to do something, whether we. We don't have the authority to do it. There has to be a source where we go. And we were talking about uh, last week uh, exactly where that is. Uh, it's the Bible. We discussed that. And tonight I want us to talk a little more deeply about that and want to look at some things about people, God's creation that we need, and some uh, some of the ideas that we have as a creation that that don't coincide with what God wants us to do regarding to uh, biblical authority. I want us to begin tonight, we're going to talk about principles of authority. Principles of authority. Uh, humans require divine authority in their lives. We require it. If we're going to make it to heaven, and we're going to be what God wants us to be while we're living on earth, we require Divine authority. We have to have it. Or we cannot be what we need to be. Why is that? Well, we're just not capable of making the right choices when it comes to that sort of thing, right? Jeremiah said, in Jeremiah 10.23, we, that, that's one of the, the more well-known uh, verses in the Bible. Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to, di- to direct his steps. There's no way we can know what God wants us to do unless He tells us. That just makes sense, doesn't it? He has to tell us what He wants us to do. Notice what Solomon said, Proverbs 16, verse 25. He said, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Boy, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? How many people have come up with great ideas that ended in disaster? You know what's the running joke? Uh, you know, uh, famous last words of a of a redneck. Hey, y'all, watch this, right? And so there, people have ideas, and and it seems good to them, right? They think, well, this would be a good idea. And Solomon said, the ways of it or the ends of it is death, and we can absolutely apply that. And Solomon, that's what he was talking about to our spiritual lives. There are people that say we need to believe this, this, and this. Just like the, the, the individual I was speaking with today has, has these ideas, and to him they sound good, but the, but the end result is death. We're talking about spiritual death. Isaiah said this, Isaiah 53 verse 6, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of of us all. Of course, that's a prophecy talking about Jesus. Why did the Lord lay the iniquity of all of us on Him? Because we turned aside. We had these ideas we thought were good. We're going to do what we want to do. And the end result of that was spiritual death. And in order to save us, Jesus had to come and our iniquities had to be laid on Him. Don't you imagine that that uh, in the garden, the first couple thought it was such a great idea to eat that fruit? They had to have thought that, else they would not have done it. It was beautiful to look at, but it looked like it would taste good, and hey, it will make us wise. 
That was one of the best ideas they'd ever heard up to that point. Had to have been in their minds. But see, the end result of that was just exactly what Solomon said was death. There is wisdom in yielding to divine authority. If we're going to be wise in this world, we can't be wise according to our own beliefs. We have to be wise according to God. Solomon talked about that in Proverbs 28, verse 26. He said, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Let's think about that for a minute. Whosoever trusteth in his own heart, Solomon said he's a fool. Well, the Holy Spirit said that, right? Who else did the Holy Spirit say was a fool? Those who say there's no God. So really, how much difference is there in not believing in a God and coming up with your own way to be saved? There is no difference, is there? What's the end result? The same thing Solomon says. See, all these click together, don't they? We've got these good ideas. Oh, there's no God. Or we can do this. The end result is the same. So we have to be very careful. We require divine authority. Well, Christ left heaven, the Word. He didn't leave heaven and give up His deity. See, there are countless uh, doctrines out there that say when Christ came to earth, He gave up being God. It is impossible to give up being God. If you're God, it is impossible to give up deity. It's impossible to no longer be God. It can't happen. Christ retained divine authority when He came as a man. He simply uh, presented Himself in a form whereby mankind could interact with Him on a very physical, personal level. That's the only way we could do that, right? Jesus had been given all authority. We, we read throughout the New Testament how He has authority uh, it's uh, to be heard over the law and the prophets. The, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 1, in, in times past, God spoke to the fathers in, in diverse ways, in many different ways. He used prophets, He used the head of the home, He used all sorts of things. But what did the writer say? In these last days, He speaks to us through His Son. How? Well, we talked about that in the devotional, didn't He? Didn't we? Through the gospel. He speaks to us through the gospel today. And through us, He speaks to the world. And so, we have to adhere to what He says. He still has divine authority. We require it. He has it. And nothing ever changed. We have to hear Him. We have to obey Him. All throughout the Bible, we talk about His authority. I think we might have mentioned this last time. People in the world today... Normally, in, in, in denominations, and it happens in the Lord's church as well. Someone asks a question. What is one of the most common responses? Well, I have to ask my pastor or my preacher or, or something like that, right? Look, we're not going to be judged on what the pastor says. We're not going to be judged on what the preacher says or what an elder says or what our friends say. We're going to be judged on what Jesus says, right? Now, can we repeat what Jesus says? Well, Paul said, follow me even as I also follow Christ. Where was that? 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. So we can follow the examples of other people. And we can follow the teachings of other people. As long as it's 
exactly what Christ taught. Right? Remember, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I, Christ talking, have commanded you. That's our authority. Okay? We can't pick up a book that some man wrote and say, this is my authority. Okay? We have to pick up the book that God wrote. Because authority is in Him. John twelve forty eight through 50. And it is essential if we're going to have a well-ordered life, if we're going to have a faithful spiritual life, well, we need divine authority. We require it. Christ came to earth. He didn't give up His authority. He retained that authority. And so, the point is that it is revealed to us through the pages of the Bible. Of course, we've talked about that. Well, what about this? Someone wants to go on personal feelings. We've heard that, haven't we? I wouldn't trade what I feel in here for a stack of Bibles this tall, right? I've heard that before. Well, I was speaking with this individual today, and, 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 and I would say, okay, you say there are going to be signs at the end of time? Matthew 24, verse 36 says, there are no signs. No one will know. Period. You go on down a couple verses, it says it's just going to be, it's going to be just like in the days of Noah. They were marrying, giving in marriage, they were feasting, they were doing everything, and all of a sudden, there it was. No signs. Now, do we believe that? Yeah, that's, that, I guess. I said, well, now we either believe it or we don't. But I just feel like over here. Okay, let's talk about feelings. Does everybody have the same feelings? Does everybody have the same thoughts? Do we all have the same opinion? No, there are contrasting feelings in the world. So how in the world can we go on feelings? We can't go on feelings, can we? When we have a difference of opinion, someone may make this statement. Well, everyone has a right to their own opinion and their own interpretation. Well, that's right in some instances. But that's not right in how we gain salvation. That's not right in how we determine Bible authority, is it? Okay, I'd rather have green carpet than blue carpet. Well, hey, I have my right to that sentiment, right? I'd rather have black paint on the walls than white paint. Okay, anyone can have that, that uh, opinion. They can interpret that that's what looks good. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But that's not what we're talking about, is it? We're talking about authority. We're talking about how do we get to heaven. We're talking about salvation. We cannot put God on our level. And we cannot make ourselves go up to God's level. Because if we say we have a right to interpret the Bible the way we see fit, we are placing ourselves up on God's level. Now when we use this word interpretation, we're not talking about reading and digesting that and coming to the understanding of what the Holy Spirit wants us to believe. We're talking about making it into what I want it to be. I want the Bible to fit me. There's two ways to study the Bible. We'll exegete the Bible, meaning we'll take out of it what God has placed in it. Or we can eisegete the Bible, meaning I'll put into it what I want it to mean. Well, we're talking about authority, right? So can we do that? Well, of course we can't do that. We look in Isaiah 29, 
Woe unto those who, who try to, in essence, the prophet says, manipulate what, the, what God has said. Verses 15 and 16. In 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, this has been a misused verse. Peter is explaining that the doctrine of God is not the product of man's mind. When he said, knowing this first, in, in, in other words, we're going to talk about God's Word. If we're going to talk about God's Word, He says, you have to understand this in the beginning. Know this first. No prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have to interpret the words. We have to understand what they mean. What the writer is talking about is it did not originate in the, in the mind of man. It came from God. And God wrote it in such a way that we can understand it. Paul said that we can, you can know the mystery. You can know what I know, he said. Because why? The mystery has been unveiled. It's no longer a mystery once it has been told, right? You get to the end of the detective book, it's no longer a mystery, right? You read the end. Hey, we have a book. We've read the end. There's no longer a mystery. And so, we can't, we can't say, well, I feel like or I believe this based on my feelings because now what we've done is we have put ourselves on the same plane as God. Well, the Bible is correct. Okay? When we study the Bible, we have to understand that. The Bible claims to be the truth. Right? We see that in John 17, 17. Uh, John 18, 37. It's just full of places where the Bible claims. When we look at a piece of literature and we try to determine is it from God or is it from man, there are different criteria that have to be met. Number one, it has to have internal evidences that state that it is from God. In other words... Uh, the prophet would state who he is, and he would say, God delivered this message to me in some way. He put the words on my tongue, or whatever the case may be. The author identifies that this is an inspired work. That's an internal evidence. Okay, And so we have all that internal evidence. And within that internal evidence, we see that in Hebrews chapter 2, God took... Uh, credit for the authority of the Bible. He took credit. He bore witness to it, in other words. He said, this is what it says it is. These are my words. Uh, and just on down through, we won't spend a lot of time on looking at all of this, but I have these notes if, if uh, uh, and happy to let you have them. Now, here's another thing we want to look at. We're talking about the Bible being correct. What about these modern day prophets? I don't know how many modern day prophets we have out there, or those who claim to be modern day prophets. We have a bunch of them. Okay? Now let's notice what the Bible says. God has not reached out to us in 2,000 years with a modern day prophet. Okay? Jude said this, Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, 
It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, there is a better translation. When you go back and you look at the original, I think the American Standard Version and the New King James Version, and there may be a few other modern versions that that get this right, but the statement is this, which was once for all delivered unto unto the saints. What does that mean? There's nothing else coming. When we look in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter 9, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. What does that mean? Those people were trying to go back to the old law. Well, what did the old law teach? What did it do? It pointed to a sacrifice that was coming. It doesn't mean that we don't have a sacrifice today to take care of sin. What that means is if you leave Christianity which was the result of those prophets talking about that sacrifice that would come. If you leave that and you're going to go back to that defunct law that said one's coming, he said there's no more there's not another one coming. We had one. It's done. Now that's exactly how we ought to look at this new covenant. It was delivered. It's over. We have it. We know what it means. And so we have to stick with that. That's our authority. Here's something else I want us to think about. The Bible is not just a concoction of myths and fables and good ideas of moral living. Now, you're going to hear that. We hear it all the time, right? We hear of the creation myth. We hear of the flood myth. We hear all of these things. As if neither one of those were historical accounts. Well, here's the thing. An individual has to have more faith to believe in the evolutionary hypotheses, and it's really not a good hypothesis, than they have to believe in the written words of the Bible. Because it is outlandish. It's outlandish. It's science destroys evolution. Life cannot come from non-life, period. That's the end of the story now. I mean, we might as well just drop evolution because that's over. Because it states that it did come from non-life. So from the very foundation, just like we were talking about Calvinism, right? How many, how many of the foundational points of Calvinism do we have to prove to be false before it's all false? One. Well, life cannot come from non-life. That's the law of biogenesis, right? And we know that. That was proven a long time ago. And so we look at these ideas, uh, or the world looks at these as if we're talking about myths, right? We're not talking about myths. Notice what Peter said in Galatians 1. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. He said, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. I was talking with this brother who thinks that this world is going to be reconditioned. Well, we're getting ready to talk about the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. That's what they teach. Not a destroyed world, a reconditioned world. Yes? Absolutely it's been infiltrated into the church. The idea of a reconditioned world. And so we go over to First Peter or Second Peter. I'd have to look. Uh, I don't have my little Bible with me. I left it in my vehicle. But anyway, he says, 
He's talking about the Lord, the day of the Lord. He's going to come as a thief in the night. And then the, the, the heavens will uh, be destroyed. The elements themselves will be dissolved and melted away. He said, well, are, are you talking about chemical elements? I said, you know, he who protests too much, you know, the whole saying, if you, if you defend too much, maybe there's an issue. Elements, the very building blocks. Of everything. Yes. Second Peter 3.10. And there's a passage there of probably five or six verses. And so, I said, it's going to melt away. And he says, well, they didn't know about elements and stuff. I said, why? I said, now why wouldn't they know about it? He said, well, as before science told them anything about it. I said, it's an inspired document. I said, we don't have to have science. God created science. He gave these men... Uh, what they need to know. It's just like Job and Isaiah talked about the earth being a circle. Hey, there's not a mountain high enough to get on in this world today where you can look out and you can tell that the earth is round. You might see dips and ups and downs, but you can't see the earth as a circle. You have to be in outer space for that, right? Well, how did Job and Isaiah know that? It's an inspired document. They were inspired men. God told them what they needed to know. And I said, okay, we can't have it both ways. You know, you're going to go back over here, and, and we were talking about something that leaves me now, but I said, they know, because it's an inspired document. It's not a myth. The, uh, uh, the, the apostles were not going to alter what they were told, right? Uh, we are to avoid myths in, our, in the religious world. We're commanded to do that, right? We're to... We're to look, uh, Titus 1, 13 through 14, uh, Paul said, uh, This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. And we talked a little bit about uh, uh, last Wednesday, 1 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, about the old wives' tales and things of that nature. We're to avoid that. Okay? Such stories like that, uh, have you noticed that they change over time? They change over time. You hear about uh, um, something that happened and, and 100 years later, the, the, the myth is a little different. It changes over time. Stories change over time. We see that uh, biblical accounts are, are not stories. They don't change over time, right? They stay the same. And I understand what people say. We talk about a Bible story, and that's fine. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But I've just kind of trained myself over the years to say a certain Bible account. Because what, what idea carries with that idea of a, a story? Well, maybe it might not be true, right? And uh, uh, so, so I, that's just what I've done. There's nothing wrong with saying a Bible story. But I, I, I just have trained myself over the years to try not to, try not to do that. You know, and this is what I told the gentleman I was speaking with today. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't make a bit of difference what I think about it. It doesn't matter. We're talking about my soul and your soul and everybody else's soul. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I feel, right? What matters is what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what my considerations are. I have to look at what the Bible says. Jesus understood where the opinions of men could lead. Any comments before we... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of moving through this a little little quickly. Yes, Brother Joe. Uh, 48 men or our men is one who wrote the Bible. Uh, 
Absolutely. And the statement is, the, the, the statement is you, you have 40 plus men who penned, who were the scribes for the Bible over a 1500 year period. Now there's not one contradiction in there. And that's what I was talking to this man today. I said, now they're either contradictions or they're not contradictions. If there are contradictions, why? let's not waste our time. If there are no contradictions, then we have to understand this in light of something else, right? I have to understand what Ezekiel said in light of what Christ said in the New Testament. And if what Ezekiel said is changing, in my mind, what Christ said, well, I am misunderstanding Ezekiel. Right? We have to use process of elimination sometimes, right? We say, well, I don't know exactly what this means right now, but I know it can't mean that. Okay? Whatever Christ meant when He was talking about the kingdom, I know it can't mean it's a physical kingdom. Because He said, my kingdom is not of this world. That's not open to uh, some kind of debate. That's just a straight statement, isn't it? And so, when Christ understood what... Our, where our ideas would lead us. Do you remember Matthew chapter 16? When he was coming into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked a question. He said, who do men say that I am? Well, some said he was Elijah, some said he was John the Baptist, some said he was this one. They knew at least he was a great prophet of some kind, that he was special. So that's what men were saying. But notice what he said. He looked at his twelve, he said, but who do you say that I am? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That Peter made that great statement, right? Well, where did Peter get his information? The same place we're supposed to get ours. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew 16, 17. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Who do, you, who do people say I am? Men. You're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Was he John the Baptist, come back from the dead? No. John the Baptist is in the Hayden realm right now. Was he Elijah? No, Elijah's in the Hayden realm right now. Well, what about, what about Isaiah? They say you're Isaiah. Isaiah's in the Hayden realm. He's there with the rich man. Or, excuse me, Lazarus. He's not with the rich man. <laughs> He's with Lazarus, right? So, our feelings and our ideas... It doesn't make a bit of difference. But who do you say I am and why? I say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, because God revealed it to me. Not men. See, men make mistakes. Right? We write things. Brother Joe made, you know, commented about over a 1500 year period, 40 plus men penned the Bible. There's not one mistake in it. How's that possible? Because they were inspired. You show me a document. We don't have one. But if we did, show me a document that it was written over a 1500 year period by 40 plus men that is exactly coincides from the beginning to the end. It would never happen. I mean, you can't get two people to agree on something, to agree on something hardly in this life about anything, right? And so, when we look at authority, and we'll end on this idea here. 1 Kings 18, 19-40, we have the account of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. They're going to decide where does the authority lie. That's what that account is about. 
Whose authority do we go by? Are we going to go by the authority of Jezebel and Ahab and their false prophets? Or are we going to go by the authority of God? And Elijah said, well, okay, here's a quick way. We'll figure this out. Whoever has a sacrifice that is consumed by fire, we'll go by that authority, right? And then we remember the account. The uh, uh, the prophets of Baal, they built the, the, the uh, uh, altar and they put their sacrifice on there and they began to pray and to dance. They, they worked themselves up into a feverish pitch and nothing happened. It's so so funny to me, Elijah says, well, maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe Baal's taking a nap. Or you know what, he might be on a long journey. Maybe he's out hunting. Or maybe you need to scream a little louder because he can't hear you. And so they get worked up and they begin to cut themselves and, and, and scream even louder. And what happens? The same thing happened before. Nothing, right? Because they're not the authority. Baal's not the authority. No man is the authority. So Elijah says, bring a bunch of water, pour, pour the water all over the sacrifice, and he dug a ditch around it, filled it up full of water, and he prayed to God. God destroyed or burned up the sacrifice, destroyed the stones upon which it was laid, licked up all of the water, it was completely gone, and he said, I am the authority. Don't listen to Baal. Now, people being people, that lasted for a little while, right, Brother J.C.? It didn't last long, did it? But that is still our authority. And so we have to understand that. And so next time what we're going to do, we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness denomination. Again, and I, and I, want, to, I want to end on this note every, every time I think about it. We're not here to make fun of a religion. And we know that. But we want people outside of our congregation to know that. We're not here to make fun of a religion. Because there are good people in every organization in the world. they got to be. I really believe that. We're not here to uh, show how smart we are. We're here to allow Jesus Christ to teach the gospel through our words as we repeat it. And we want people to be saved, to be in heaven. It is a sad thing to think about someone being lost eternally. It never ends. I just that's, That's a hard thought. And we've all got family members who have gone into eternity not being Christians. And that's sad and hurtful to us. So we don't want any more of that to happen as much as we can help it from happening. So that's what we want to do as we study these denominational doctrines. And uh, we'll slow down a little bit next time. I wanted to kind of get through this idea on authority and I did a lot of talking. But uh, we're going to slow down. We're going to ask questions. We need to be able to... I want us to be able to invite these visitors into our homes when they come and uh, uh, be able to sit down with them and have a, have a scriptural, a biblical discussion with them. That's, what, that's our point, right, of being able to, to do that. And so that's what we're going to work on. Appreciate so much you being here. Keep all of our uh, uh, family and friends in your prayers. I forgot to mention uh, Brother Leon and, and Barbara. Let's, let's remember them. Keep them in our prayers. And uh, uh, everyone that we know, if you would, uh, stand and we'll be dismissed.